Welcome back, everybody, to this week's RevOps Podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock, joined today with my co-host, Howard Brown, the godfather of all things revenue science. Oh, boy. And then we are thrilled to have with us today, Darren Fay. Darren is Director of Revenue Operations Intelligence from Instructure, and also our first former fireman on the podcast. Darren, how are you doing? Great to have you with us today. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. So uh, it begs the opening question, how did you go from fireman to the crazy world of RevOps? <laughs> uh, money is a little bit of a motivator. Um, <laughs> as it should be. <laughs> My wife and I moved to Utah um, to live in a more safe neighborhood now when we decided we wanted to start having kids yeah. and uh, moving to Utah. They don't really invest in uh, firefighter salaries like they do in California. And so the pay isn't quite... Uh, manageable to, to live, you know, the way we wanted to live. So got back into sales and, you know, did what I did prior to firefighting. And that led back into my passions for like running revenue operations. And at the time it wasn't called revenue operations. It was just running a solid sales team. Right. <laughs> and, uh, then slowly you, you had more operation support with sales and then it's kind of morphed into, you know, revenue operations over time. Well, we're, we're, Thrilled to meet the lead back end because you've been pioneering with the RevOps roundtable community that you've been part of leading and building. You've certainly, you know, in the front and center, it appears every single week and month with different RevOps leaders across the industry. And we were really drawn to some of your articles you've been publishing around the governance data maintenance side. And, and really, Darren, I think for Howard and I, there's a lot of interest in that area uh, more than normal due to all the buzz these days of generative AI technologies. And that's resulting in a lot more data moving a lot more places and also can be a real multiplier of well, what's good and what's bad, right? Like we're living in this recursive models now and, you know, this world is about to change and the governance and data maintenance side of that from a, from a RevOps perspective, I think is front and center, but all cause. What do you think? And let's and let's get you and Howard thinking on this. Yeah, you know, I what's got me thinking recently, what caused me to write the initial article was, you know, dealing with some of my own pains, right? Going through, looking at data. When you come into an organization, you're always going to have some type of inherited data, right? There's always years worth of data somebody else has managed. And there's years worth of something that you may or may not fully understand. Then it's immediately your responsibility to make sure that data is trustworthy. And in a lot of cases, people just go business as usual and report out on those things, trusting that things are being maintained, right? <laughs> and going through some of these motions of research and, and evaluating the best options to make sure that things get managed, it's around you know segmenting and understanding responsibilities and having documentation of what those processes are. You know, data governance is a big word right now, right? You have you have data governance, which encompasses such a large scope of things. You you have everything from you know compliance to security management, uh, data quality to architecture, you know, there, there's just a full gambit of things that that covers. And it, it's, it's a very large process, but when you get down to revenue operations and what you can impact from that, it led me down this rabbit hole of understanding, Hey, how, how can we operationalize this in a way that's scalable for, um, an organization to manage? And it covers all the areas that, that we can cover. And, you know, some organizations, they may have a, a, a segmentation of an IT group. They may have an enterprise systems group. They may have 
a revenue operations group and understanding where roles start and stop, what that scoping practice looks like. I think a a big problem that people have in revenue operations that I've gotten quite passionate about is the scoping practice of adding something into a system. Before you go add something, can you solve it in another way before adding additional tech tests? And if you can, let's do that. If you can't, um, let's go through the process and evaluate it and find the least impactful way of impacting the organization and making sure you have a management process in place to say, when is it going to be enriched? Who's going to manage it? Who's the steward of it? What is the um, operational process that has to take place? When is it going to be audited? What is it going to be reevaluated to see if it's still being used or um, is it something that should be replaced? Is it a short-term solution, a long-term solution? And um, it's become quite apparent to me that it's something that people are starting to now pay more attention to than they historically have, just due to the fact that AI is becoming more prevalent. I, I want to dig in a little bit because what you're talking about is really a strategy and a strategic sort of initiative to a RevOps and an organization. A lot of times organizations had no strategy and have no strategy and hate to use the analogy, but you're as a RevOps leader, you're a firefighter, right? You're constantly uh-huh. fighting fires that are coming up around you. How do you make time to think about strategy to really align the organization when you have these constant wants and needs from every part of the organization? How do you essentially step back and say, okay, we're going to focus on the strategy to reduce the firefight? You know, um, I right now I'm really big on this slow down to speed up mindset. Right. And um, it's about, you know, if, if I go create a field for somebody tomorrow and I just go do it in the system, what that field could do is uh, step down, let's go add a value to a field. Mm-hmm. On the surface, quite innocent, right? No. But yeah, the downstream implications of that are, well, now you've created that, so now you have to go do the work to update all those opportunities or, or, or records to make sure they are accurately reflected. Then you have the downstream impact of reports that could be looking at it. Yes. Now you've just created hours of work for yourself and then additional data integrity issues. And so one of the things I've rolled out with my team that I'm really passionate about is like a prioritization loop. Mm-hmm. So you you start by listening to the, the issue. You say, hey, listen, this is the priority we have. Get as much insight as you can from the person. Ask for clarity. So understand what's driving it. What's going on with it? Why is it important? What is it uh, referencing? And then the next step is debating it. So let's talk about why my thing's important. Let's talk about why your thing's important. Let's talk about what the impact on the business is and which is the right avenue to go forward with. And then from there, you decide. So you decide on which route you're going to take. Once you've made that decision, it's important to align and persuade the other stakeholders why you decided to take this motion. And then from there, you go execute on your project. And then you learn from those experiences and you reevaluate, hey, what did I learn? What can I put into the process? And then the next step is just repeating that process because it's never done. So somebody could bring that same project back up to you. And the important part is to have go through that motion every time so that you're always constantly maintaining the most high priority focus on the things that are driving the business the most. Yeah, I love the structured approach. I, I feel like every organization can use that template. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now I want to add, though, get your thoughts here, Darren. Often when I talk to RevOps leaders and you think about sales ops, we think about what people are trying to drive in the organization. You'll often find that the need for data, the need for governance, the need for the structure is there. But what do people actually build to give the insight? They love to build dashboards. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I'm just going to put you both on the spot here. Just give me your rough idea. 
how many how many dashboards do you think an average enterprise sales team has today? Uh, over hundred e- easily. Yeah. Howard, what do you think? Yeah, I it dep- an enterprise organization. I'd say over two hundred, and okay. I'd say they probably use twelve dashlets, right? Like twelve individual dashlets. So so let's let's go with let's go with the low number, okay? And let's just say you know twelve. They're actually using twelve of the hundred plus they have. You realize every time a sales rep or ops person looks at the dashboard, the average amount of time they spend on it is six minutes. Doesn't sound bad, mm-hmm. but we just agreed on the low side, they're going to use 12. That's 72 minutes a day staring at a dashboard. 72 minutes not selling every single day on an eight-hour workday. Yeah. And that's the low side number. And then you sit there and go and look at, sales ops in general, rev ops leaders, and you say, well, are, are, are those dashboards even helping somebody? Are they actually driving an action, a behavior change? Like, are we telling the rep at least out of that 72 minutes understanding something they should do? And you realize that prioritization of helping somebody make a business decision, making a sales decision, only accounts for 13% of all those dashboards. 76% of the time, it's just about, hey, how you did against your goals yesterday. So we're losing in more than an hour a day of people looking at stuff that tell them what they did yesterday and has no help on making decision-making going forwards. And so as I think of governance and I think of these structures and I think of the data that's only getting bigger and bigger and about to get recursive and generate, how on earth do we drive action out of that? Because if you're going to make somebody stare at this stuff, what do we need to do to make it useful? So I, I, I certainly will weigh in. I Well, first of all, I, I don't know many sales reps that stare at dashboards for long. They, you may want them to do it for some reason, but you know they're probably not going to do it. But boy, sales leaders, sales managers, ops people, there's a lot of people that stare at those things all day long. And to your point, I almost think about it in the way Darren talks about even changing a field. What is the objective of this dashboard? What is the objective of the report? And what insights are you trying to drive? Are you trying to drive change behavior? Are, are you looking for visibility? Who is the stakeholder? And is a dashboard really the right way to solve for it? I argue in most cases, it's absolutely not. The I, Where should we as sellers, as managers, where should we be focused? Not staring at a screen and a dashboard, but it's what are the insights that I need to drive change behavior, to drive change within the organization, to to know what I need to do next. It's the insights that come from the data used to be the thing. Give me insights. Now, insights, well, cool. Give me what's going to what do I do next? Drive my next behavior. It's one thing to get insights, but how do I change behavior based on those insights? Prescribe something. Tell me what I should do next based on this data. That that to me is where we're going. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I think when I think of dashboards, it, I think of them in two ways. I think of you have a core dashboard which highlight core KPIs that define success across the company strategy, right? And then you look at driver dashboards, which I look at as those driver metrics 
that are showing trend lines or showing um, symptoms of your ability or inability to be able to achieve those core metrics, right? And so what I like to have is you have like a core dashboard or a core um, area where quick insights, are we there or are we not, right? And then you have your GPS, which is your driver metrics, where you're looking at that. Those primarily would be led by, you know, an intelligence team. Um, and in often cases, I think it's almost better for the intelligence team to do the research and then circle it up to the leaders. Because there's so many, you know, you, you pull a thread and it comes out to something completely different. You know, my, my coverage is low. Well, you're missing your target. Okay, great. Well, your coverage is low. Well, why is your coverage low? Well, you, your win rate's down. Your pipeline generation's not up. It's, you know, one of these two areas. And then, well, why is that? Is your deal size going down? Is it that the products you're adding, you're, you're adding fewer products than you historically had? And there's just this cascading effect that can understand, okay, what are we seeing? And then taking that information to say, this is what we're seeing. Let's talk about what we can do to remedy it. One of the things that we've had some good success with that I've really loved is we do a, a pipeline pulse is what we call it, but it's, it's more of like an intelligence feeding where we'll send out an email and we have all of the insights on it that led to our conclusions. Yeah. And then at the top, we have top three things. So these are the three things that we've identified as areas of concern or areas of things we want to work on. And then we set up a meeting afterward with all the key stakeholders that can help mitigate that. And we go in and we address those areas based off of, hey, please review the information prior so you're all up to date so we can have a meaningful discussion. When we get in that meeting, one of the things I hate to do is get on a meeting and just read out metrics. So if we can get on a meeting and you've already looked at the metrics and we can just have a strategic conversation to solve the company problems with all the bright minds in the room, I, I find you have people not going to check on dashboards. They're almost saying, hey, listen, I, I'll go check and see if I'm there or not yet. But if I'm not there, then it's going to require them to go look in a different dashboard and you know, understand their symptoms. Uh, I love that idea. By the way, how often do you do that? So we do it monthly. Yeah, it's, it's a monthly cadence. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great suggestion for everybody listening in. And do you find email a good way to do it? Do you have to pull people together? Obviously, you do afterwards, but you pretty good uptake there. Yeah, I think if you send the email out and you have a strategic meeting afterward, there's a sense of accountability, right? Hey, you're going to have to get on this call and talk about something. <laughs> you better know what you're talking about before you start talking. So, you know, we find that they may check it real quick before, but as long as we put the, like, service up that information prior to the meeting, we have a really meaningful conversation, which has been enjoyable. And, and Darren, how do you deal with the idea? Like, I, I love that structure flow there. Do you ever encounter where you have conflict of the data or the insights across the different domains, right? Because obviously the charter of RevOps often involves marketing, customer success, all of the sales areas. It's, it's a pretty big charter. And when you think about that, to use an analogy, you know, we used to have shadow IT if you were a CIO, right? It's a big thing. People running off and doing a bunch of things. You know, how are you dealing with that? And what are you hearing in the RevOps roundtable communities, things, things of those nature? How are you bringing it all together? So we have consistency in that reporting and we debate the insight from a, from a common truth. You know, one of the ways we've mitigated that is segmenting it out. You know, I, I run the sales portion of the um, operations and intelligence side of the business. I used to also have marketing. We have somebody who's um, over that now. And we have two aspects where we're using a singular data model for all things that encompass this type of reporting, right? And so we are all gonna use the same reporting structure from this. You may have a different model or a different data set for, let's say, campaign level attributes. Like if you're looking at a more granular piece of data that's driving those sales level metrics, including like pipeline and, and sales, 
a customer life cycle, if we're, we're getting, you know, further into the cycle and we're looking at like renewals or, uh, customer success, you know, I think a lot of those are just based on defining the owners of those KPIs, right? So if, if I'm going to report out on, uh, non-renewable bookings, that's going to be me, uh, regardless of who my stakeholder is, because that person is the steward of that type of data reporting. So making sure you keep that in alignment. I do think it's also a great practice to do to cross systems teams. If you have a Salesforce admin and you have somebody who's working on it, but you have a CX team and a marketing team who's or also in Salesforce, I'd love to have object owners. So you have a camp, this person owns the responsibility for this campaign object. Anything that happens, it's his responsibility to go say, let's go look at the impact across the entire organization. Yes. Good for you. That is needed everywhere. I love that. Because yeah. otherwise it's just conflict, right? Everybody's pounding it. Nobody owns it. It's always, there's always problems. So do you have people that literally own every object across? Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're in the process of doing some of those areas right now, which I'm excited about. I've been mapping Good quite a bit you. of it out. And I think the, um, you know, just understanding that as a revenue operations department, we do have, we, we, we are stewards of the entire revenue organization, right? So you, you should care about your colleagues and, and where their interests lie. And so when you're going through this account level reporting, just as an example, if I have somebody from CX who wants to go and put something into practice, just me being aware of that and being able to circle around that, it also unlocks the ability for me to fully understand this process and how it can be leveraged across the organization. Yeah. And then you understand duplicative work. You don't have additional tech debt coming in when you shouldn't. It could have been solved because this person knows this object very well. So I think it's unrealistic nowadays with a larger organization to say you have a single admin who covers everything. I think object-related ownership is important. I actually love it. I, I really love it because I can't tell you how many organizations you can't... It, we, look, we bring in a tool and it's suddenly conflict. It's, yeah, if there were people who owned different pieces of it, you'd have an owner. If you have no owner, nobody takes responsibility. Nobody's accountable for it. Things just get tossed in there. Obviously, you have conflict. Uh, I, I want to keep up to date on how this exercise goes <laughs> because I haven't heard of many people just saying you own the campaign object. Like that's that's actually brilliant. Yeah, I think it comes down to me like that data governance piece where you're looking at data management practices. Yeah. Who's going to own the documentation of this? Who's going to own the change management of this if a thing happens on the, the larger scale of things and they say, hey, this field needs to be leveraged for XY report. Okay, that's the, the usage of this. If anything changes, we are reevaluating it at this date. Somebody wants to go make an edit to it. Now you're going to go reevaluate that scope and that person understands that this is a this is an individual process. Every field that an object is. Yeah. I got your next blog post. You got to do it on this. Yeah. For <laughs> object ownership. Yeah, it is a good call. I mean, it's a good call that you're doing. It's not a good call that I'm telling you to blog post. No, it's always difficult to find new things to write about. You see things you're dealing with in revenue operations, and it's like the whole reason I started the RevOps Roundtable was more around, I came from, you know, being a fireman, got into sales, getting RevOps, and having the resources. I, I've been really fortunate to be surrounded by such great individuals, the revenue operations community. But for the people who don't have that, I wanted to give like some free access to it. So, you know, I pay for it out of my own pocket. It's like a, a forum level thing. And I make sure I put up blog posts to share things that interest me that I see come up. And I welcome people and I talk to people. If anybody wants to put something up and write something, I'm happy to put it out there just because I think it's important to share knowledge across, you know, the different pain points we're all experiencing. Open source for RevOps, Darren. We love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But we are running up against our time here on that. I would say the breakthrough for me 
I, I think just as giddy as Howard, we're going to talk to our heads of RevOps on ownership of uh, the campaign object side. I think I really do think that's one of the more tactical, but hugely brilliant pieces of advice sharing that I've heard in recent times. So absolutely love that. It's brilliant. Final word is yours. Tell everyone how they can go connect with you and share their insights on the RevOps Roundtable, the community that you have there. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can just search my name, Darren Fay, uh, on LinkedIn. It'll come up. Um, and then if you want to check out the RevOps Roundtable, it's just www.revopsroundtable.com. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Please like and subscribe. And for those listening in, don't forget to call in with your questions. You can reach us at 323-540-4777. That's 323-540-4777. Darren, we'd love to have you back on a future episode. And we will uh, see you all again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you.